on, everyone? It's your guy, Cole Jackson, back with another episode of the What the Fluff post-game show, where we'll be giving you instant analysis and breakdown of the Ravens' 34-6 defeat of the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, not what we've been used to lately. I think uh, it was kind of coming off the sweat games, and then you know we're expecting another sweat game against uh, the 4-1 Chargers. And Wow, the Ravens went out and took care of business, protected that home turf. If you're enjoying these instant breakdowns and analysis, click the like button, hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'd like to thank the sponsors of the What the Flock post-game show. It's our guys and gals over at Lee's Pint and Shell, located right in the heart of Baltimore. All their socials will be linked below. They're your go-to for game day with the game day specials. They got $4 32-ounce Bud Light drafts, $15 Michelob Ultra buckets, $12 Medela and Corona buckets, and $20 White Claw buckets. Be sure to check them out on game day. And now over to my post-game co-host, Adam. What the flock's going on, my guy? Uh, I- I'm Adam Bonacorsi, joined by Mark Andrews here. <laughs> cool. The the hair trimmed down, the beard. You got the Andrews look going on. I love it. I love fifty four million dollar contract. I can afford the best in the biz now. <laughs> oh man, what a game! You know, I'm I'm getting shredded on one Twitter, right? And I'm getting shredded because I predicted the Ravens would lose this one in a shootout. Um, you know, and, and realistically, all I can say to people is, if you really called this blowout this way. <laughs> Kudos to you. I'm going to start coming to you and trying to play some bets because I, I don't think the majority of fans, you know, taking off the purple glasses here, putting down the purple Kool-Aid, saw this one coming today. This is unreal win for the Ravens. Huge. Yeah, I think uh, I think overall, I thought our run game could kind of get back on track just because they are the worst run defense in the league. But um, And I mean, you know, c- certain things went our way. It's the one, one o'clock West Coast or East Coast trip for – Los Angeles it's the same right. as us going and playing on the west coast of one that's that's tough but hey those are competitive advantages that every team deals with uh you just got to work through them but you know I I I 100% expected a shootout I think if you didn't expect a shootout you're crazy um they, they just had a shootout with the Browns they're a high octane offense they have Mike Williams going off this year um you know so and we're going to get into it kind of in different sections but Let's go back to the three points that I always raise. What do you have to do to win a football game? One, protect the ball. Two, win, uh, protect your quarterback. Three, win in the trenches more generally. The Ravens did all three of those things outside of the interception. Uh, you know, I feel like we have Lamar has one of these at least twice a year where it's that linebacker zone drop and he just doesn't see him. Uh, it's, it's kind of this, we've seen it before and it's, it's definitely like he knew as soon as he threw it, he just did not see the linebacker dropping. Uh, other than that, Lamar looked pretty good. Um, I thought, you know, the offense looked completely different and actually let's jump right into the offense. Cause I, I think we have a lot of things to talk about, so let's get right into it. Um, Run us down. What was going on in the offense? Give us kind of the high-level overview. So I'll, I'll tell you right out of the gates, the one thing I did pick up on was last week, Lamar Jackson and, and Justin Herbert both had 400-yard-plus games. This week, the two combined didn't hit 400 total yards. <laughs> <laughs> Who saw that one coming, right? Exactly. So, but for, the, for the Ravens, I, I mean, 27 first downs this week. They almost doubled up what the Chargers were able to do this week. 
327 total yards. It wasn't anything sexy, but it was efficient. And then being able to pass the ball around to seven different receivers and five different ball carriers in this game, no one player really controlled this for the Ravens, but they were really able to to spread the ball out and do what they wanted to realistically. I mean, would you agree with that? I don't think there was anything in particular that they weren't able to do and they had to kind of deviate and go focus on uh, Mark Andrews or focus on Lamar's legs or whatever it may be. I honestly think that, and I don't think it's getting talked about enough. I think we're talking about Lamar's pa- uh, passing yards. I think we're talking about them pushing the ball downfield. What we haven't talked about a lot is the maturity in Lamar Jackson's game where he's spreading that ball around. Um, Absolutely. I have never in really felt that he's kind of the kind of guy that stares down his receivers. Now he'll get into periods of games where he'll go through drives where he's staring guys down, but to say he doesn't consistently over the course of you know a game or multiple games has always been a false narrative that's been out there about Lamar Jackson. Going back to his college days, he's always processed well. He's always gone through his uh, reads well. Obviously, he's had stretches where he doesn't do it consistently. That's going to happen to any quarterback, but it's always been something I find he does well. What the difference has been is uh, that Lamar has guys that are just better at playing the pass catching role like the receivers are developing we're getting returns on early draft picks like Rashad Bateman we'll get into him more specifically he was wide open on his targets like he's just and he's only going to get better so the Lamar's always been the kind of guy that's gone through his reads the difference is that guys are getting open and they're executing their plays versus guys like heavy doses of Miles Boykin Seth Roberts guys that just no disrespect to them. They're great accessory receivers. You'd love to have them come off the bench and make a play. You don't want them starting. And that's what I think we're seeing with Lamar Jackson's game with the ball being spread around. Absolutely. And and even, look, even the secondary tertiary type guys that hitting hitting Josh Oliver in this game and yeah. finding him a couple times, yeah, that, that drop was kind of, you know, woof. Um, but, you know, it's nice to see, right? He's not locking in on a read. And I think that's what it comes down to for me. Because that was another one of the Lamar narratives. Well, he just, you know, read and run. And there are times when you watch him out there, it looks like he's doing everything he can not to run. (laughs) You know, he's sitting in that pocket as long as he can looking for the play to make downfield. And he doesn't feel like he needs to take off. And look, I I still think that's the next step to his game is, I think he went from, you know, quick reads and running when he had to, to now he's staying in the pocket almost a little bit too long on some of these plays. And the next step for him is going to be, better recognition of when it is time to take off with the ball to, to have that awareness of the pocket collapsing around you. And, you know, we talked about the the sack that Bosa got today and that was that interior pressure. Um, if maybe that's a bad example, because I don't really think he it was pretty much closing in around him, but understanding, you know, the, the drive I got here is. Yeah, no, I get, I get what you mean. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's that, I mean, we saw it a couple times. Uh, I think it was against Detroit where he had on third down, I think he had two scramble attempts on the third and fourth attempt out of the 10 third down attempts. And the Lions had a guy playing low gear on the defensive line that just kind of played a contained pursuit role on him. And then there were a couple of passes that were incomplete because no one was open and Lamar probably could have taken off. And it's just going to be about everything finally clicking. I think a big thing that's going to be a difference maker for him taking that step is getting consistent protection too. Um, oh, yeah. Today was a great example. Let's let's talk about the offensive line. 
Run blocking, um, I'll give a huge shout out to Spencer Schultz at Ravens for Dummies. He made a great point, and I completely agree with what I saw on film. I wasn't able to put a film room out last week. Uh, but I don't think that this offensive line in the run game has been con- getting consistently blown up all over the place. It's been on a lot of plays consistently, one guy losing their one-on-one and that guy making a play on the ball. And it does feel like they were just kind of one block away from springing some of these runs and they got those blocks today. Josh Oliver made a block today. He also missed quite a few. Um, That's going to be a whole other thing, but you know, he made that block on the seal block. Ricard also made a block on Freeman's uh, I think he went for 21 or something like that on a, it was a run to the right. Uh, and, and, you know, Murray hitting some of those inside runs. Uh, Jeff Zerubic was on the show last week and he said it pretty clearly, give him five yards and he's going to get you five yards because he makes the right read most of the time, but he's not going to make a lot of guys miss. So, you know, give him some blocks, get, you know, get their defensive line moving and he's going to get, he's going to get you first downs. And that's what we saw today until the injury happened. Uh, Murray was running pretty hard downhill, you know, he was decisive, but he was getting those blocks from the offensive line and they were moving guys. And it, it, like I said, it hasn't been the O-line getting blown up all the time. It's been, you know, McCarty missing a block and then Bozeman missing a block. And it's just all those kind of can't compound into dysfunction. So much better showing from the offensive line. Uh, You know, what'd you think? What'd you see from them? No, I agree. And for me, it was really in the running game. You know, that's what I was really focused on there. And it was watching, Watching these lead blocks too, continuing to run downhill, right? They're not getting stood up at their line. They're not getting driven backwards. They're continuing to, to push downhill for these guys. I watched a few times with both Murray and Freeman where they were able to put a hand out and kind of guide themselves where they needed to be in the backfield. It's the patience that they've had, but not the patience they've been afforded prior to this game, relatively speaking. They had the ability to see the lane a little better. And also, you know, worth noting, repetition matters, right? And we've been saying this for weeks. These guys will continue to get more comfortable in the backfield. And it was kind of a perfect storm, right? They have more time this week to to get their reps in there, to understand this offense, to learn to play behind this line. And then the line just had a great game overall. Um, You know, how long was Bozeman even out in this game? Uh, He only missed a couple snaps and then he was back in on the next drive. And I seriously think, I know they were talking about it being a back injury, I really think it was uh, the wind knocked out of him. If oh. he was, if he was gingerly on his back, he wouldn't. He was literally walking around the. He looked like me before a game at like noon before a one o'clock game, where I'm just walking around the house because I can't sit. I got the. He was like, <laughs> "Get me back in this," you know. And so he was ready to go, and uh, it, it seriously looked like because Murray ran right into the back of him, uh, you know, almost too downhill running for. Uh, for Murray, but I seriously think yeah. he got the wind knocked out of him. And then well, he got off to the sideline. I saw him kind of bend down a few times, but I don't know. He, he's going to be fine. He's well, Wonder, be what fine. did you think about Villanueva today? Because the few times I tried to focus on him, I don't I don't have that ability to watch six things at once. <laughs> I try. It's so hard not to follow the ball. But but the few times I tried to focus on Villanueva, actually really him and Makari both, both tackles look pretty damn good today. Considering he got Bosa out there and, you know, Again, that one pressure, Macari, you know, Bosa best. Yeah, I don't. That wasn't a pressure. I'm not. I'm not coming off this one. This is one of these things that drives me crazy. If I'm an offensive, and this is me coaching offensive line and and being an offensive line sided guy, I'm always going to look for how he he parked himself. He got pushed back a bit, but he was not in Lamar Jackson's kitchen. The pressure came because, and this is why, when you're breaking down offensive line play, you need to factor in the quarterback set point because. 
if your quarterback takes an 11 step drop and he's out of the back of the pocket and then a guy runs out of the back of the pocket, well, the offensive tackles back is to the quarterback. He, he knows where your, your drop is supposed to be. And that's always dictated by how many set steps he'll take to get back. So Makari set and Lamar was perfectly in the pocket. He was fine, but Lamar had to step back because of inside pressure and Bosa just literally ran out the back of the pocket. But how can you blame Makari on that? It's just one of these things where I see commentators talk and I'm just, you guys don't know anything about the offensive line. Like just stop <laughs> talking. Um, everyone just wants to be quick to blame a guy. And I, I get it. It was the guy that Makari was blocking made a sack. How is it not his fault? Well, when you get into it and you understand what he's trying to do, you'll understand how that happened. Anyway, I won't drone on about it. Overall, uh, how did Makari and AV look? Um, I think they looked really good in the run game. I was shocked. AV has been springing runs this year. Um, he's missed a few, but what I've noticed is how he finishes, and especially on some of those uh, guard tackle pulls where he's the yeah. second guy to pull around. Um, yep. He's springing runs, and it's you know the opposite where I think he's struggling a bit in pass protection, but he's playing really well in the run game, and that's kind of the opposite of what we heard about him. Uh, so I think he's, he's getting more comfortable at the left side. I think – you know, he's still going to lose past snaps. He's still going to lose to some of the best rushers. It's going to suck when Miles Garrett comes here. Um, it's part of the game. But, yeah. you know, it's up It's up to Roman to try and put him in a position to succeed. But overall, I think he's playing well. Um, I think he's playing much more consistent. He's going to have bad games here and there. You just know it. Um, and as for Makari, I mean, he had a few where, you know, he, Joey Bosa beat him. I mean, Joey Bosa beats you know, Ronnie Stanley and Orlando Brown Jr. So he beats right. the best of them because he's one of the best edge rushers. It's just part of the game. Uh, overall, I think they're stabilizing this line. Bozeman uh, gave up a few losses today on the inside, but overall they all just executed better. And, and it, you know, like I've said so many times in this show, it's all about those one-on-ones and just inconsistently lose one guy losing. I really don't see them getting constantly blown up where it's, you know, carnage coming and all this crazy four-man rush and everyone's losing. It's it's just kind of little itty-bitty execution issues, and it's finally starting to get a little bit better. So, like you said, get consistent, get guys playing together more. Um, but let's get into the pass catchers. Mark Andrews had another good game coming off a beast of a performance on Monday Night Football. But what you think of Rashad Bateman? Obviously, he's the huge storyline. What'd you think? So here's the thing for me. I did not expect this out of Bateman. And it's fun to say for a guy who only had four catches for 29 yards and, and you know, on six targets. One was obviously that drop that turned into a second Lamar Jackson interception, which again, credit to the defense. That was a beautiful pick uh, and, and awareness to get that ball in the fingertips. But um, I didn't expect it. So what I didn't expect was that we would see Prochet relegated to less looks in this game and Bateman would step into that hole. Um, that was it for me, right? I figured the Ravens would continue to give Prochet looks because he was making the most out of those opportunities in recent weeks. But Bateman stepped right in and he's just such a clean route runner. And we've said this all right in camp prior to his injury, you heard it daily. And and we, you know, I'm sitting there watching this guy on the daily and that's what you see. He doesn't look, he's very sudden, right? And you can see it out there in the field and it looks like everything we saw in camp is translating over. And everything we saw, you know, back in college is translating over so far. Um, that drop sucked. Let's just call it what it is. Um, and, you know, we'll get into the Hollywood Brown touchdown drop too. But um, the drop sucked. It hit him right in the numbers. Um, he had his head up field. Uh, I know he had two defenders kind of bracketing them there. And, and I'm sure he was hearing footsteps on that thing. And 
well, let's be patient with him. He'll he'll get his head into that and he'll get that figured out. And I'm sure the coaches went and talked to him on the sidelines, but I just I won't be able to talk enough about his route running. It, it yeah. just he's such a clean route runner out there. Yeah, and I think you nailed it. I mean, rookie making rookie mistake, shocker. Um, that's kind of the beauty of having guys around him that have been playing well. Andrew's playing well. Hollywood playing around well outside of the drop. Uh, Sammy Watkins, when he comes back, he's been playing well. Duvernay playing. You know what I mean? Like, it, I find that Rashad Bateman is in such a better position to have success than some of the first rounders or, you know, third rounders, whatever, of the past. Um, but before we get into more, uh adam let me ask you how are you celebrating this huge win over the bolts today so always bourbon right you celebrate your wins with bourbon around here and if you're a bourbon fan as well i'll invite you to join me and the folks at lee's pint and shell on tuesday october 26 that's like nine days from now uh from seven to ten we're gonna go ahead and sip on some blanton's eagle ride 10 year and some buffalo trace at we lee's whiskey event not to be confused with we's Whiskey event which slurs <laughs> so you'll get both featured cocktails uh the eagle rye and the buffalo trace you'll get three one ounce pour flights for each and then you're gonna get some featured finger foods and some cool giveaways as well while you're there you can go online and get your tickets at leespintandshell.com uh or cole i know you always drop these down here uh in the pod to make sure that people can get the information there as well so let's go ahead and you know cheers to the ravens and another victory when you know hopefully a, a second one before we get to that event here when we have the Bengals next week Absolutely. No, I love it. And now that, you know, huge announcements, breaking news, the U.S.-Canadian border is opening. And so Cole may be able to get down there. Um, so if we are, we're going to have some fun things set up to look forward to. Um, I'll finally get to meet Adam, who I've been talking to pretty much daily for the last four years. Finally meet him in person. Um, it's going to be one of those internet catfish things. I can already see it coming, but uh, love it. I love it. And so let's, let's round out. Like, I'm really out of Everyone's going to see him and be like, yeah, this Canadian kid really is five foot eight and lives in his mom's basement. Love to see it. Um, wearing wheels? Um, all right. So let's wrap out the, or wrap it. Let's, let's finish out the offense here. Um, yeah. You know, Hollywood Brown, what do we think? Are we, some people got off the Hollywood Brown uh, train as quick as they got on it after some dynamite. What, what do we? What do you think? What do you think? I'm not worried about. So, so here's the thing: uh, Hollywood on the day, four catches on five targets for 35 yards. He caught every ball thrown to him except that one drop for a touchdown. And here's what I'm saying: So, did it hit him in the hands? Yes, by definition, you'll call it a drop. Was it on the fingertips? To me, that was a fingertip ball. And if you look at Lamar Jackson after that play was done, he's beating himself upside the helmet. He's mad at himself, I think, more than he's mad at Hollywood for that because he had all the space in the world to hit him a little closer proximity than, you know, throwing to your little five-foot something, you know, little wide – no offense – Throwing to your little wide out out there. <laughs> so he knows he could have thrown a better ball. So I'm yeah. not blaming Lamar. I'm not blaming Hollywood. That was a football play. It happens, right? The quarterback's off the hair. The receiver has it off the fingertips. Those plays happen to every player out there at one point in time or another. I don't care if it's Tyreek Hill or Kelsey out there, right? It's going to happen to those guys too. So ultimately, I'm not beating him up. If he catches that one ball, he's five for five with 80 yards and a touchdown. Yeah. Yeah. Or 70 yards and a touchdown. That's the difference in that game right there. Yeah, and it, it's it's tough, right? Because you go back to the Detroit game, and, and now it's kind of like, you know, there's only so many times we can say, well, if he catches that, then it's, you know, such and such. And I, I get it, but it's just, you know, you got to look at some of, like, 
you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater after so much positive. I mean, he was massive for the Ravens last week in a comeback win. He caught two touchdowns. He's He's been playing well this year outside of uh, the Detroit game, which is bad, probably the worst game of his career. So, you know, throw that one out and a drop. And that's it, right? Like, that's kind of the end of the list. It's a bad yeah. game and a drop today. Other than that, he's been dynamite. Um, so, I mean – have a, have a sip of bourbon. Everyone relax. We're, we're it's 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 going to be all right. I'd be happy I haven't had more sip of bourbon because we'd be having a Bartholomew Scott rant right now because I could already see he's exactly. going to jump all over him again. And and he will. And I mean, he's gonna. I, I don't want to drone on about the Bart Scott thing, uh, but Bart Scott is like I. It's if you want to sit there and say Hollywood Brown's not number one, that's fine. I, I get it. Say Hollywood Brown's not number one on most playoff teams. I agree with you. That's fine. He's not there yet. And maybe he gets there. Maybe he doesn't. I don't know. But to say he's a number three on most teams in the NFL, it's just, it's not true. Um, I can list like people being like, he wouldn't start on the uh, two wide receiver set over on the Browns. I'm like, in what world? Odell Beckham Jr. Hasn't done anything since 2016. Like, what are you all talking about? Like, it's just insane to me. And so it doesn't mean Odell Beckham Jr. Is not a great wide receiver. He, he is, but he barely, everything that we complain about Hollywood having drops and bad games and disappearing, that's what he does. Anyway. Um, so it's just nonsense. Uh, and we have a lot to talk about on the defense. Oh, before we get into there, we have some important updates going on at least pint and shell in conjunction with the What the Flock post game show, we're taking this partnership to the next level. So, Adam, tell our folks what they can look forward to coming. All right, so we've been trying to work some details out here, and there's still a few more to iron out. So we're going to give you a, just a little taste right now, and then we'll grow into more. And you have to keep tuned or stay tuned for you know updates on Lee's Pint and Shell social accounts, as well as keeping up with your guys here at What the Flock. Uh, but we're going to be doing a joint force situation here on a DraftKings league play. Um, and we're going to have weekly prizes for those folks in attendance at least. And we're going to do something for, you know, most points throughout the whole season. If you you know participate in this um, and, you know, a, a big score at the end of the season, if you will, for uh, that winner with the most points. And then, you know, outside of that, we're also going to be doing a live event here sometime early next month at Lee's Pint and Shell. Uh, you know, we've been talking to the team over there, something set up on the second floor, get us a little microphone action see some of these guys in person, right? And um, we're going to do a charity raffle situation there too as well. Uh, one of the followers of What the Flock, Big Ravens fan, um, has donated a pair of tickets to the Thursday night football game uh, mid-November for the Ravens and Dolphins. Uh, they're great seats. Um, great seats in the lower section on the Ravens side of the field to be specific. Um, so we're going to go ahead and, and get something going here and give back to charity because uh, we here at What the Flock are all about the charity. And uh, we'll have a, uh, that in conjunction with the live event here. So look forward to it. Um, again, more details to come as you know, we, we iron out these last few things here. And uh, we look forward to it. And we'll give you more information next week on What the Fuck. Yeah, I am, we really appreciate the partnership with Lee's and Absolutely. to uh, the, the gentleman donating. Uh, and it, a lot of this comes from, I mean, you guys are the ones watching the channel, right? You guys are tuning in every week to come watch us talk about you know, the post game and, and, you know, tuning into other parts of the two guys watching football channel. So we're just appreciative of everyone out there. And we wanted to kind of give back while at the same time doing something great for a, for a great cause. So I'm, I'm excited. I am too. And I'm just going to make one point by the end of the season. My goal Cole is to grow this thing so much that we convince pint to bring in 
a Colnadian burger to their menu and it's just going to have Canadian <laughs> bacon on the top of their cheeseburger. Like that is my, that is the dream, right? The what the flock Colnadian burger. I, I want that it. on the menu by it. the end of season. <laughs> In conjunction with Mark Andrews. He has there to, <laughs> we need an ad where Mark Andrews is there eating the Colnadian burger and no one knows who it is. Just um, like Steve Landry, right? Just you and Mark Andrews eating the Colnadian burger side by side. And he's like, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> And because he's getting well. paid $54 million, he's paying for it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh, I love it. Um, okay, let's get right into the defense. Uh, I, let's start in the trenches and work our way out. So let's start with the defensive line. Wow, what a difference. Because I don't think we talked about it enough last week against the Colts. Uh, they got their butts kicked outside of Clayus Campbell, who I thought had a fantastic game against the Colts. Yeah. Um they were just consistently getting blown off the ball by a not very good offensive line. And today, what a difference. I mean, Eckler had no room in the backfield. Uh, I think his first carry of the game was for minus three. Uh, Houston was making plays back there. Williams was back there being disruptive. Campbell's back there making plays. Uh, Matt Abike actually made a few plays too. He was played a lot more consistent. I just found that – I mean, this is simplistic, but they just won, right? And, you know, the pass rush – could have been a little bit better, um, I think. But overall, I mean, they consistently won. They took care of business in the trenches, and it really hurt the Chargers getting going. They didn't have – you know, they weren't able to fall back on their run game. Uh, Eckler, I think, barely touched the ball. How many carries did he have? Like, Oh, God, hold on. You got to let me check this one. I'll tell you who was not the leading rusher. He had six carries in this game. Six and carries. Josh, Josh Kelly had four. So, and they, yep. they ran and, and, for a total of 26 yards. And because um, Justin Herbert was their leading rusher with 12 yards. So, like, I mean, and it's not just that they, I mean, they they only ran the ball 12 times, but I yeah, mean, still, they but just, that's how one dimensional they became. Yeah. The Ravens' defensive line and what they were able to do. And I'll tell you what, Herbert wasn't able to climb in that pocket at all. The yeah. pressure was coming quick. And to the pass rush note, it was interesting to me because I felt like Herbert was willing to throw it away quickly instead of taking that sack. I think the Ravens had two sacks in the day and yeah. one was Justin Houston at the end of the game in that final drive for the Chargers. So um, sack away from hitting uh, 100. That's so, right. That's right. Next so, week, Joe Burrow, we're coming for you, baby. So it was interesting to me, right? Because I feel like as quick as he was ready, uh, as Herbert was getting rid of that ball, um, if he held it for a half second more, that could have been four or five sacks in that game for the team yeah. easily. They were there. They were there consistently. Um, again, stuffed the run, completely shut it down in this game. 26 rushing yards, and 12 of them were from a quarterback. Yeah. You know, that's that's wild. And that's one was a 10-yard scramble. I remember it. He slid right at the line, uh, right at the first yep. down marker. Yep, um, absolutely. So, yeah, no, I mean, they the, the D-line did their work. And, you know, let's kick it back out inside linebackers. Um one thing I'm going to say, and I'm not trying to be dramatic, uh, this always bugs me, right? Because, like, people celebrating or talking about, like, oh, thank God Patrick Queen got hurt because we got to see what Bynes look. Don't do that. Don't be that guy. Like, there's nothing cool about celebrating an injury. Even when Bowl Bowler got hurt and first thing I cheered, um, I'm not trying – like, I don't want – I just – it's not cool. Um and I, stuff like that on social media, like, I don't care. It's just, it's tough to read, uh, you know, regardless of how you feel about a person, this is their livelihood, uh, you know, knock that off. So that out of the way, um, we did get to see Josh Bynes. And what I thought we got to see was a player that plays slower than Patrick Queen, 
but a player that processes faster. Um, and I just, I, maybe processes faster isn't the right word, but his play speed is more in tune with his processing. So what I mean is when he's reading a play, it's like as he starts to make his movement, he continues to read and he's not just sprinting there. He's kind of, you know, he's more pacing his run into a tackle situation. I don't think we've talked about it that much, but like a number of these Patrick Queen messes, he's over pursuing. Yeah. Uh, like if it's a screen pass, it's not that, you know, he just gets out there and whiffs on the tackles that he kind of overruns it and then he can't backtrack against his own momentum. So when I talk about his processing, I've, I actually think Patrick Queen has processed well this year, but then he almost sprints too fast to the ball as weird as that sounds. And I thought with Bynes, you kind of saw that veteran approach to it, the, the things you'd see out of LJ Ford. Um, so I thought Bynes made a huge difference. He looked a lot more clean. Uh, Malik Harrison still struggled. Uh, he was the receiving end of the touchdown he just got out ran um yep. you know he he can't do it in, in the past game right now it's he's kind of in a similar spot where the game's just moving too fast for him and uh so i mean this might be a 2019 situation uh where we need to look at some veteran linebackers to kind of come in here and shore things up maybe it's binds um you know, maybe it's someone else that they can bring in off the streets. One of the few positions that they're going to be able to afford under the salary cap where a veteran can come in and make a difference is probably inside linebacker just because it is a cheaper position. So what, what did you think about the inside linebackers? So, again, and Queen did come back in the game, so that's worth noting as well, right? Yes. Queen's yes. injury is not yes. long-term, obviously, no. right back in. You'll probably see yeah, him. Yeah, hit the balls. He's going to be all right. Yeah. <laughs> and he tackle it towards the end of the game in that final Chargers drive. So – you know, we talk about the, you know, you mentioned the processing. I think the other aspect of that too is the, and I don't want to just kind of kick it over to veteran savvy, but it's experience, right? And yeah. Queen is still a young kid and he's in his second year here and he's still learning. And, you know, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to give, you know, excuses you know, through and through for his play. Um, there are certain things that it looks like he's regressed from last year. Um, I would almost say that, again, he's processing better than last year, but it's almost like he's got one read, right? He sees this play develop and his mindset is, all right, see ball, get ball. But if something else happens beyond that moment, it's not there. He's, then that's the overcommit, right? I'm going from point A to point B, and he stopped thinking about anything that happens after that moment, and he's just heading beeline to point B. That's it. So, again, we talked about Lamar earlier, and it's like, what's the next step in his game? Queen's going to have a next step in his game. All these young kids are going to have a next step in their game. They're not finished, you know, products by any means. And, and Queen, again, you go back to the age and the inexperience and switching positions and, you know, a lot of that kind of stuff over the course of time leading up to his pro career. I feel like there is not a grace period that he was granted either. And yeah. a veteran would help, right? A veteran coming in would not mean that Queen's done. And just remember, that's supposed to be LJ Ford. Like that's exactly. he was. He, they brought him back to be that veteran stabilizing force if the young kid struggled. And obviously, we lost Ford due to the injury. Um, and so maybe Bynes is the new Ford. I don't know, but they need to consider that as an option to go out there and look at someone. Else and I think too. it's the only option, right? Yeah. You're not going to go out and find. And the tackles are fine right now, but you're not going to go out and find a cheap tackle. You're not no. going to go out and find secondary help for cheap. I think you can go out and find – and, again, the name I keep hearing pop up is Quan Alexander as an option, um, maybe. 
Um, I'm sure they'll find some guys out there or, or stumble across a solid – and that's what we need. We don't need a stud. We need a solid veteran presence in the middle of the field. And it could be Bynes. Like, let's just be. kind of keep that in mind because yeah. I thought he played well today and he was able to step in. So maybe when we see Queen – like maybe they come out and they start Queen Harrison against uh, the Bengals, yeah. and, which I think Harrison's going to be a good value add against the Bengals because they're going to run that zone scheme. And I think that's where Harrison does excel in run defense. So I, I would actually like to see him in there, but if one of them is struggling, okay, let's get binds in there quicker this time. And that's where I think the adjustment can happen. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. And, and maybe that is the answer, right? I'm sure that Eric DaCosta has his, you know, ear to the ground to see what's, what kind of noise is going on out there. Who's available. But I'm sure that you know coaching staff's probably also in Eric's ear saying, "Listen, if they really do genuinely believe Bynes is the answer, they're probably telling him, don't, don't go further into cap hell, don't give away one of our draft picks next year, don't Great. do any of these things. Just stick with what we have. We're comfortable with this. If there's another reason that we absolutely need to, then go do it. But if you have more pressing needs or no needs at all, and we're good with this. Let's just go. So it'll be interesting to see. I know the the deadline's approaching pretty quickly here, so. If they're going to make a move, it'll be soon. But, yeah, we may see an increase in binds next week, and that may be a good litmus to see how comfortable the team really is. Yeah, well said. And, uh, you know, the fourth down shocked me. Uh, the, they were one for four on fourth down. Uh, it, was one one. Came on, I, it was nuts. Um, <laughs> I'm actually really excited. I, I think I'm going to try and get out. I, I want to get one of these guys that loves the analytics and the decision-making analysis and kind of talk it through with them because – I just got off the phone before you and I recorded with one of my buddies who's a Chargers fan. And it was a guy that I played high school football with. And I was like, so what'd you think of the fourth downs? And he's like, he said it the way I would have looked at it. And it's, you know, the decision-making is the decision-making. You get these models based on win percentage and I, and I get it. Like I genuinely get it, but there's no substitution for how your team is currently executing. And that's how I always felt about the decision-making in the 2019 Titans loss uh, in the playoffs. It wasn't that they were the wrong decision based on the mathematical outcomes. It's that when your team's not executing right then, probably not the best time to go into a high leverage situation on fourth down. Um, so that's how I felt about it. But what I couldn't believe is that they went for fourth on fourth down. And my guy, Dan Reese made this point um, who I know loves the analytical models and he's actually who I want to get on to talk about it. Uh, but he said, love the decision, hated the play call. And I think he's referring to them targeting Marlon Humphrey. And I think this is a good time to transition to the secondary. I thought they balled out. Um, what'd you think of Humphrey and Averett specifically? Because they've been kind of under fire after, after the Colts game. They really have. I saw Humphrey give up one pretty chunky play and it looked like it was in the slot and it was just a guy leaking out. And I cannot remember who it was right now, but that was really it. And Averett, we talked about, kind of was ebb and flow, right? It was definitely markedly better than last week's game. Uh, but yeah. for Averett, it was, you know, give up two balls for first downs and then have a huge pass breakup and draw an offensive pass interference when what could have easily been a pick for him. So it, he was very up and down. I'd say more up than down, though. Uh, clearly, I mean, Herbert was barely, you know, what was he? I don't, I don't even remember the numbers anymore right now. 22 for 39, but didn't even hit 200 yards in the game. Uh, he targeted Averett early and often, though, for sure. Um, but I think once it proved to be less than effective, yeah. uh, they kind of no, steered I want to emphasize this, and I might even clip this and post it on Twitter. Averett answered. Uh, he answered a brutal game. Yep. The, the difference last week, and you and I talked about this, is – they didn't have depth to get him off the field and give him a couple of series to kind of get his head under control. Um, you know, even Kevin Seymour couldn't play last or Kevin Seymour. Yeah. Seymour couldn't play last week because of an injury suffered in practice. Um, 
he's, a, he's still a young kid. He's still developing. He's not ready for it to be a starter. He's being pushed into a starter's role. So, I mean, I guess he is ready to be a starter. Um, but that was your perfect example of a kid that's struggling and he needs to be able to get taken out of the game and they just don't have the depth to do it. So yeah. I thought he answered, um, he's not going to play perfect, but he's playing damn good overall outside of one game. Reminds me a lot of Hollywood Brown. Yes, he's got that one game you can look to and say, oh, he's crap, he's inconsistent. But in the grand scheme of things, playing really well. The other guy that I thought made a huge difference was the Joker, Deshaun Elliott. Um, had the early sack, had the interception. Is this kid playing into a massive contract extension or what? I mean, he's leaning that way, isn't he? It, he's just – he's there, right? How do you he's let him around go? And the defense makes a play and he's there. It's it's wild to watch his development. And, and again, we can kind of go back to the amount of people that gave up on players. His injuries are early on, right? He's injury prone. He can't stay on the field. And now you're getting to see what he is. Um, I think he's been fantastic out there. And and to that note, another injury prone player, uh, injury prone player that people gave up on. That was a lot of peas there. Um, <laughs> Tavon Young, yeah. right? What can you say? He's been playing great. I'll tell you my favorite thing about him too this season is when they bring him on the blitz. And he didn't effectively land a sack this week. But his pressure is being noticed now. And yeah. the speed that he comes, you know, into that backfield, he's not a big guy. But you have to account for speed as much as you do size in those type of situations. And he was burning around the outside at the tackle and able to get around close to Herbert. Um, it's the secondary, kind of like the offensive line, right? We're starting to see some gelling and these guys come together. And a lot of that secondary has to do with trust and you're starting to see that trust develop between the safeties and the corners right now. Yeah. It, it's a great thing to see. It really is. And I, I just wanted to say going into the Bengals game, I think it's critical because they have three wide receivers, all who can make you pay. Um, Boyd is getting less work right now just because, you know, Higgins and Chase are there. But, you know, it's going to be a tough game and they got to come out and get it, get it done against a lot. They're going to see a lot of 11 personnel. Uh, you know, CJ Uzoma is making a ton of plays. It's going to be a big test for this pass defense next week because – I think they're going to try to run the ball. I feel like our defensive line is going to be able to own that line of scrimmage and stop that that scheme again. Just It's going to be a similar approach to what we've had against, you know, teams like the Titans where they're going to come out, try and run zone, and then you're going to force them to drop back. And uh, I think it's going to be a great test for them. Uh, so I agree, though. They're gelling. They're gelling just like the O-line is. Um, they're playing beat up. They have, you know, they're obviously missing a huge piece in Peters. Uh and they've had other injuries around there. So I think they're finally starting to put together. Jimmy Smith's getting healthier. Um, someone on my Twitter, uh, Theo Barry, that's who it was. Theo Barry made the point. He just said the defense is getting healthier, and that's the difference. And I think that's a nice way of summarizing it. Uh, we're still not going to get back some of the IR guys, and that sucks. Uh, it's really going to cap what I think this defense's ceiling could be. But get healthy, get the chemistry down, um, and, you know, get it going. And I think this was a huge first step and, you know, next step is the Bengals. So let's close on that. Would you have any last closing thoughts for our friends? No, I mean, hell of a game. Um, you know, you have to be elated about this development and it was nice to see, you know, last week the offense won the game this week, both sides of the ball did what they needed to do. And that's what we've been waiting for is the defense to really step up. And yeah. you know, we saw it against Denver, but this is a huge, I mean, it's a formidable offense here and the defense really stepped up and, and played, hell of a game this week um so i'm i'm thrilled and equally as thrilled uh to get these events going at lee's 
and, uh, and and start interacting with you guys more. Uh, you know, talk to us about the the fantasy league stuff that we're gonna do, and talk to us about uh, you know this live event, and maybe do some Q and A or something out there. So um, yeah, looking forward to everything. Love it, love it. And uh, like I said earlier in the show, thank you guys so much for the support on the channel. That's all we have for you today. Be good to yourselves. Be good to each other. Peace out, everyone.